Longhorn Nation, Sooner fans, welcome to episode 79 of the Boomer Bebo podcast, the only podcast exclusively dedicated to covering the greatest rivalry in college football, the University of Texas, University of Oklahoma. I'm here with my man, Kevin Miller. I am John Whitson. It was a relaxing stress-free bye week for Longhorn fans and Sooner fans alike. However, it was sweetened with a little bit of uh, USC going down to Notre Dame. 48-20, to Kevin. You picked the USC Trojans. You said there's no way Caleb Williams goes to the Mecca of – I'm sorry, not the Mecca – goes to Notre Dame to lose – and yet, that's exactly what happened because they got curb stomped by Marcus Freeman and Notre Dame. It wasn't close. It wasn't pretty. And it was awesome. How do you feel about that, Kevin? How does that make you feel to see USC get their absolute brains beat down by Notre Dame, a 3-2 and two Notre Dame team, a team on the verge of collapse, maybe shouldn't even be playing college football anymore, and they got destroyed, Kevin. Destroyed. Okay, first of all, and it was the great. passion in your voice, yeah. you and the rest of the OU fans, I yeah, think you guys sure. are more happy about this than you were about me. beating Texas in the Red River shootout sure. last week. Well, I guess, are you, know, you sure? Here's the are thing, you sure, though? I kind of expected to beat you guys, so there wasn't that really that excitement level, but I kind of expected Notre Dame to let me down, and they didn't. So, yeah. I don't know. I think you guys, y'all are way more excited about this than you were about the Cotton Bowl victory. Listen, well, we we knew the formula, right, for USC losing. All it took, all it would have taken was one off game by Caleb Williams. Yes. That's all it would have taken, and we got that, and we got it right away. That's the crazy thing. Their first drive, he throws an interception. They return it to, what, the three-yard line? I mean, you want to talk about a nightmare start for the team. It was so bad that the USC defense didn't even have a horrible game that's, that they normally do. Well, that's the thing. It, it, this loss doesn't go on to the USC defense. It no. just doesn't. This is not a situation where they got outlasted or outscored or broke down or had major coverage busts. Let's face it. Notre Dame, they're not great offensively. Hartman not only goes all. 13 for 20, 126 yards and two touchdowns. But he didn't have to because USC was that bad. Kevin, five total turnovers. Five. Caleb Williams threw three interceptions, two more fumbles. But the stat of the day is that Notre Dame had six sacks and 11 total tackles for loss against USC. They couldn't protect Caleb Williams. They were in his face all day. It was it was punishing. And I got to tell you, it, it is a blueprint for anybody that goes up against USC again. You contain Caleb Williams. Don't let him escape. Don't let him make the miracle plays. Albeit easier said than done. And force him to make competitive throws. Man, I tell you what, dude. They looked. USC got exposed, and it was not pretty. No, it was not pretty at all. And like I said, from the jump, to throw an interception on the first drive. And to throw three in the first half, I thought the coverage had him a little bit confused. They took away his first read. And like you said, they really contained him. He's at his best when he's able to extend plays 
and make those kind of crazy back shoulder type, you know, across his body throws that most quarterbacks can't make. And they did a really good job of just making him sit in the pocket. And then when he's sitting in the pocket, the rush is getting there so quickly. The offensive line could not protect him at all. So, yeah, this led to a bad game. They, I mean, they were down so quickly in the second quarter, they really couldn't get that running game going, which I thought looked okay, but they just couldn't commit to it with being down so quickly. Uh, in addition to not being able to pass the ball very well, USC could not run the ball very well. Only 103 yards rushing. Again, this is a Notre Dame team that was not moving the ball well. They weren't. They only had 125 yards rushing. So again, this wasn't like some sort of dynamic offense that just, you know, that the defense got lucky against USC and then USC's defense broke down. It, it, it was just a bad, bad game for USC. And it, 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 it kind of all crystallized when USC kind of pulled close, kind of was going to make it a game there in the fourth quarter. And then Notre Dame has a 99-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. You're like, yeah, that was backbreaking. It seemed like the momentum may be beginning to shift. And you thought, okay, well, if the defense makes a stop, which as bad as their defense is going against this Notre Dame offense, I trusted them to be able to make a stop there. And then, yeah, you give up that 99-yard kickoff return. It was over after that. Now, I'm looking at your stats you've got up there. 13 first downs for Notre Dame versus 23. Again, speaking to the fact that Notre Dame – not an offensive juggernaut of a game at all, but they didn't make any mistakes. They yeah. were incredibly disciplined on defense. And that's the deal. I texted you this last night when I was watching the game. What Oklahoma fan was getting really, really sick and tired of from a Lincoln Riley coach team was the lack of discipline. And that's what you saw in this game. It was just a lack of discipline. They just, the little things that teams have to do to stay in games and win games, USC flat wasn't doing it. Notre Dame exposed them on every level. And I'll tell you what, when I think about USC going forward, you're looking at these stats right now, right? Is there anything mm-hmm. that tells you Utah can't do this same thing to them? No. Is Utah no, on their schedule? Is Utah on their they, schedule? Yes. They, they've got a gauntlet coming up. I was talking with uh, – with Jeffrey, your son, the other day about this and their schedule. We he said five losses. I said four. I mean, look at the schedule they have coming up yeah. here. Notre Dame, All Utah goes to LA. They go to Cal, right? They should win that game. But look at this. Washington. I know it's in LA, but I mean, we saw what Washington was able to do yesterday. Then they go to Oregon. To Oregon, are you serious? Then UCLA. Yeah, I mean, just take a look at that, right? And take a look at that schedule. And after seeing what Notre Dame did, that makes you think that Utah has every bit of a chance to do the same thing. Because right. I don't think you, I don't think Utah with their backup quarterbacks are as inept as Notre Dame is offensively. No. I really don't. No, I, think, I don't think so either. I think you can They've got a better run game. I, exactly. A more consistent you, running game. Oh, dude, I don't even want to think about the whatever the Washington Oregon game. Whatever the Washington game and Oregon game lines are, I'm telling you right now, I'm picking them right now. Like, you just name the line. I don't care. After what I saw, and we're about to get to that game, what I saw, you know, let's just transition to it right now. What I saw in the Pac-12 Northwest, Oregon and Washington, Washington winning 36-33 over Oregon. The opposite 
of the ineptitude, the opposite of the ineffectiveness, the opposite of uh, five turnovers in a game is a game like Washington and Oregon where combined, Kevin, they only have one turnover in the entire game. In a losing effort, Bo Nix goes 33-44 for 337 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Michael Pinnock's at home with the win, 22 for 37, 302 yards, four touchdowns, one interception. Those two stat lines are not two dudes out there just messing around. Those were fantastic stat lines by fantastic players on fantastic teams. It really was, man. It was a joy to watch that game. Just high-level football. We got the best of college football, right? We got an incredible environment. We had really good players, and we had really good coaching, right? Oregon, Dan Lanning just gambling repeatedly on fourth down, trying to win the game. We saw Michael Penix making some incredible accurate throws. We saw the receiving core of Washington, which we hyped up going in, and they absolutely lived up to it. This game really had everything. It was kind of like our game last week in the Cotton Bowl, right? You just had everything. You had both teams putting it all out there, great players, great coaching. It was just a fun, it was a fun game to watch, man. Well, I will, I will agree. Well, first of all, I agree with you on, on most of what you said in terms of it being an awesome, fun game and a lot like our game. But unlike our game, this was – this was a shootout. So, you know, so our game had turnovers and fake plays. This was just, they were just lining up and taking shots at each other, dude. And it, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. You talk about Dan Lanning. Did he out coach himself? Did he outthink himself? Did he rely too much on the analytics? He had three fourth downs. He didn't convert on any three of them. He could have gotten points off of two of them. And that drastically could have changed the, the uh, overall uh, yeah. direction of the game. You know, I would have liked to see him go for the uh, field goal at the end of the first half when they were down there and just go into the locker room down one. Um, other than that, I don't mind the decision to go for it, but a lot of those play calls that they did, I didn't like. The one right before half when you did the sprint out, I, I just don't like the sprint out there unless it's a run-pass option with the quarterback. Yeah. But so I didn't like the call, and the other calls I really didn't love either, but I don't mind the aggressiveness on those other two. I, you've got to take points in the first half, and yeah. I don't know, dude. You get down into the red zone. When it when you know it's a game that's going to be – you I just you never thought one team was going to run away with it. At least I didn't. And you don't know what Dan Lanning's going through or what's going through his mind or what the analytics book says. But I think when you get that far into the – red zone you've got to take the points and, and this wasn't like an oak this wasn't like texas on the one yard line you know they were like fourth and four fourth and yeah, five they were back they Agreed. were you know like, again now the one at the end of the game i actually do i think you go for it there because it was you were on yours you were on their side of the, you were on the plus side of the 50 if you pick it up the game is over and you're on the road i think you go for the win however Michael Penix, they stop him there. Michael Penix gets it. Uh, two plays, and he's in the end zone, and they leave over a minute and 30 left on the game. You said it in a text message to me, way too much time for Bo Nix. Way too much time. I mean, that might as well have been 10 minutes on the clock. It was crazy. They had a sense of urgency, and I get that's a big part of their offense, but they were lightning speed there, and – I thought for sure that they were going to end up regretting scoring so quickly. 
I mean, it worked out for him in the end with them missing the field goal. But at the time, I mean, I was really nervous for him. Those two throws might have been his best two throws of the day. And he had some very good throws. But those he two did. were fantastic. Yeah, the consistency of his throws um, really all game long. I mean, he missed a few. And again, Oregon has a really good defense, right? They've been one of the best defenses in the country. But this scheme that they run, that Washington runs, and we talked about just having so many weapons. And they didn't even have McMillan. He only played a couple snaps, right? And he actually ended up having to leave the game. This Giles Jackson kid shows up, six uh, receptions for 58 yards and a touchdown. And then Odunze and Polk both had over 100 yards receiving. So, man, yeah, we got it all. They also had a 100-yard rusher, too. They had a 100-yard rusher, but because Penix, I guess, had a couple sacks, they only rushed for 99 on their stat line. Um, Oregon outgained them 130 yards, which surprised me. I just I know Oregon's got a good defense, but I expected Washington to outgain Oregon. I got to tell you, you know, we've seen a lot of Bo Nix over the years, from his days yeah. at Auburn um, and all of this kind of stuff, and we've talked about good Bo, bad Bo, whatever. This did not look like the same quarterback to me. This kid looked really, really poised. He looked really good, made good decisions, strong arm, let his team down with no panic. He wasn't running around. I remember at Auburn, he was always with the running around and having to pick up. I always thought of him as almost like a Sam Ellinger kind of player where he had to go run around to pick up yards and kind of keep things alive. That's Correct. not what I got from Bo Nix. He looks like he could be an NFL quarterback. Yeah, I've been hearing his name kind of shoot up the draft boards, and you can see why, right? Like you said, he operated well from the pocket. He escaped the pocket and still is able to throw. But again, like you said, he's not doing that kind of hero ball that he. I think he had to do that at Oregon, or excuse me, at Auburn. Same thing with you mentioned Sam Ellinger. He has he had to do that, right? When he was at Texas, yeah. he looks so comfortable. He looks so confident. This scheme fits him perfectly. So it's really good to see a player leave a place like Auburn, go to Oregon, and just be in a system that fits him better. Look, Oregon lost his game, but this conference is still wide open. Now, Washington did a great job of putting themselves, I think, in the driver's seat. But, man, there is a lot of football left to be played, and we have not seen the last of Oregon at all. Oh, ab- no, absolutely not. Now, are they divisionless? In the I think they, you know what? I don't know. They, you know how they are with these things. They change these things so much. So, honestly, I don't even know if they have the divisions or not. You check on that real quick. Well, as you're checking on that, in the latest AP poll, uh, as of uh, week eight, Washington has jumped Oklahoma. It is now Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Florida State, Washington, Oklahoma, Penn State, Texas, Oregon, North Carolina is your top ten. Any issues with that poll as I read it out loud to you, Kevin? Not really. Um, you know, I I thought Washington actually might have gone a little bit higher after beating um, Oregon, just because I think the win is so impressive. You know, um, I could. I mean, I think you can make a legitimate argument for putting Washington as high as three. I think their win is more impressive than anything Ohio State has done so far. I mean, what do you think? No, I agree. I agree. I mean, I think what I've seen from Washington and, and Oregon, 
against Ohio State, I, I think either one of those teams is probably favored and I would pick in a game against Ohio State. I haven't seen the offensive pyro from Ohio State and just the versatility that these two teams displayed. Michigan, on the other hand, rolled yesterday. And, you know, that's one of those teams where um, maybe they haven't played anybody, but the people they have played, they've beaten the absolute crap out of. So yeah. they play Indiana and won 52-7 to seven and apparently got off to a slow start. Right, that's the that was the article I read this morning. That, yeah, right. I don't think they had scored, um, you know, halfway through the second quarter. Maybe they had a field goal. I think they had a I, big return, and that's what I, kind of got them going. The number one team in the country, Georgia, beats Vanderbilt thirty-seven twenty. You know, Georgia's just going to be. They, they've got a couple games coming up. They got t- they've got Florida coming up, Tennessee, uh, Missouri with a big win over Kentucky. So they'll have to play Missouri. So there's three teams particularly Tennessee and Missouri that are playing a whole lot better. Um, I just don't think it's going to be enough to knock off the Bulldogs of Georgia. Yeah, it looks I think tough. really, really you know, good. And, yeah, and the SEC East so far, what we've seen, I don't see anybody that's ready to, to challenge Georgia. I mean, it would take basically a historic performance by that team, and you have to pair that with Georgia just being off their game, having a few turnovers of their own. Yeah, you're right. And so when I look at this poll, I'm kind of with you in terms of bumping up Washington. But, you know, you look at Ohio State, they did handle Purdue 41-7. Florida State rolled Syracuse 41-3. And then Penn State, right there behind Oklahoma, beat UMass, I guess, in a throwaway game 63-0. So everybody that was in the top 10, and then the other game that was in action, because Texas at 8 was idle, and then North Carolina – Going up against Miami, uh, North Carolina wins 41-31. That was a very, very good game. Drake May went 17-33 of for 273 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, Taylor, Taylor Van Dyken, or Taylor Van Dyken, I'm sorry, 31-48, 391 yards, four touchdowns, unfortunately had the two interceptions. Uh, the, I'll tell you what, what was really cool about yesterday was outside of Caleb Williams, the Heisman Trophy contenders really put on a show they balled uh, out for sure i they mean really the two, did ball out between drake may uh drake may bo nix michael Penix jr they looked really really good and i think Penix is a firm number one right now in most heisman voters minds would you think i would think so I and mean, that was that was really impressive what he did yesterday against again against a good oregon defense too that's what it's not just the fact that they beat a good team. They beat a team with a really, really good defense. I think they were top 10 in points allowed defensively. So it was a great we're performance by him. And I thought Bo Nix was really good, too, like you said earlier. Would you trade Quinn Ewers for Michael Penix Jr.? Probably. Yeah. yeah. I, DG's playing really, really well. Maybe if he hears this, he'll get fired up and keep playing really well. But I do think Michael Penix Jr. is the best quarterback in the country right now. It's so just, yeah, I mean, it's just a different level of accuracy compared with the arm strength, right? Quinn can make some throws that just make you say, oh, my goodness. And then he can make some throws that make you say, oh, my goodness, what was that about? You know, and you don't see too many of those, you know, poor decisions, poor throws from Penix. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, and DG, I think it's the same thing if you're comparing him with DG. I think he would DG, well, and DG, I think, is making really, really good decisions right now. And yeah. I think that in terms of his maturity and everything, he's right where we need him to be to continue winning. But oh, golly, was it the first touchdown that Pinnock threw the left hash to the right corner of the end zone? And just dropped it in. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. We've seen Caleb Williams make throws, and he he probably can make that throw, but they're outside of those two, I, I don't know. Drake May, maybe. I don't, does Drake May have the arm strength, though, that Penix does? He does, but, man, uh, that, that touch, the arm strength and the touch. You don't see, a, you don't see them combine a lot. When you, when you can combine the two, that's when you get a really special thrower of the football. Uh, quarterbacks that did not have as good a day as the ones mentioned before but still were able to eke out a win. Jalen Milrow for Alabama beats Arkansas 24-21. Alabama just doesn't look right, though. Yeah, they keep finding a way to win. But it's one of those things, right? If they go up against a really good team who's ready to go, it they could be in some trouble. The great thing for them, though, is that defense is going to be good all the time. I, I thought Arkansas did some really good things yesterday. I thought KJ did was really good yesterday. What? No, but, look at his line, though, man. Like... I know. I guess you have to. If you, if you were watching it, man, he did some I, good things against that defense. Okay, so I thought he did some good things too. Okay, like I I thought, oh man, KJ looks a lot better than dude. He went fourteen for twenty four for one hundred fifty yards. Yeah, like I mean, I'm saying he. That's but I a really saw, good defense, man. So no, I mean, no. like I said, he did some good things. It's just they're they have the best defense that they've had in a very long time. And it's, is it going to be wasted with the worst offense they've had in a really long time? I don't know, man. The thing it's it's kind of a perfect storm for them when it comes to not having a dynamic offense, right? They got an inexperienced quarterback, and they don't have the dynamic receivers that they had before, right? We talked about them. they had four first round receivers on one team, four. Yeah. So like they just don't have that right now. And then when you combine all that with the, also a young offensive line. Right. And a young quarterback, it's just a perfect storm for not being a great offense. I mean, you, you say receivers. I just say it's the complete lack of a running game. They just don't have a running game right now. Yeah. When run, up, yeah. When you're up because they were up 24 six, maybe. Yeah, they were up big. They were up big on Arkansas in the fourth quarter. And you just got to at that point, if you're Alabama, like if you're thinking of Alabama from over the years, this is when you just run the ball and just run them, to, run them to death and then go beat them 31 to six, you know, but it took you a nine minute, 12 play drive at four yards apiece, And you just pounded them to oblivion. But our Alabama, they're not able to do that right now. They're just no. flat out, not able to do that. When an Arkansas team who we've seen give up points to BYU, we've seen give up a ton of points to LSU. It's um, I mean, golly, is Arkansas at four and at two and four now? Two and four, and I think all four of their most of their losses have been very close. So the team still keeps showing up, right? They haven't quit, right? But yeah, it's a rough season. I thought they would have a pretty good season and just not going the way that they had hoped. One of the undefeateds goes down yesterday. Louisville loses to Pitt 38-21. We can scratch them off of the list of uh playoff contenders. Yeah, man. I think they got a little bit too high off that Notre Dame win. Last week, because you can't lose like that. You can't lose by three scores a pit after you beat Notre Dame. You beat Notre Dame by two scores, and then you lose a pit by three. Uh, Not quite ready for prime time. 
No, and I I mean we talked about it when we get to when we start talking about Oklahoma and Texas. Another really good reason I'm happy we got the bye week, even though we're going up against UCF. You can get too high. And that's a that's a prime example of it because Pitt's not any good. They shouldn't have lost that game. Uh Oregon State beat UCLA 36-24. Utah over Cal 34-14. Uh Duke with a big win, 24-3. Another game that we picked was Tennessee versus AM. 20 to 13. I got to tell you, we hammer them on this show, but I'm going to hammer them again. I don't know what Jimbo Fisher and now Bobby Petrino are doing on offense. They don't have an identity. It's like one game, they're slinging it around. They're saying they're trying to run it. It doesn't even matter what they do. It doesn't work. And Tennessee is a good team. This is not a knockout. I picked Tennessee to win. This isn't just about winning. But only scoring 13 points against Tennessee, who's not a lockdown defense this year. Dude, Petrino and Jimbo Fisher got to figure something out. Like, they are not the football minds that we expected this year. No, no, they really got to figure it out because they have so many good players. They have talent everywhere. And you've heard me say this, right? Texas has squandered talent for a long time, for a decade, right? And I'm saying this with AM, but Texas has never, Texas recruits well. But they've never recruited like AM has these last few classes. They have historically good recruiting classes. And when I look out there, I'm like, you've got uh, Le'Veon Moss is a good running back. Anaya Smith is a really good receiver. I think Evan Stewart is one of the best receivers in the country. And I'm not seeing these guys make impact. Why? Why can't you scheme some way to give the ball to Evan Stewart? Right? He's one of the best receivers in the country. Right? Like our coaches, oh, you, you get the ball to you guys. Say what you will about Lincoln Riley, right? But historically, night, he gets but, the ball. Yeah, not last night, but if he has a guy like CeeDee Lamb, he's going to get CeeDee Lamb the football, right? Yeah. He get Marvin Mims the football. Why aren't they getting Evan Stewart, Evan Stewart the ball? It, it doesn't make any sense to me, right? You have all these guys on, on defense, and they did a pretty good job. But, man, 13 points? Like you said, it's Tennessee defense. This is not – they've got Reggie White out there. No, what is this? It, you know, it's um, you almost get the sense that, well, you've been talking, you've been talking about this as long as the Boomer Bebo podcast is beyond that Jimbo Fisher is not the offensive mind everybody wants to think he is. He he hasn't had a productive quarterback since Jameis Winston. Like those are just Correct. the facts. Yeah, those are those are statistical facts. He has not had a productive quarterback since Jameis Winston. So he's not that guy. Now you throw Bobby Petrino, who's been in and out of the game, who's had different stops at various places. Claim to fame. He, was he the was he the coach Lamar Jackson? He was. He was Lamar Jackson's okay. coach. That's kind of his claim to fame. Had some good years at Arkansas. But you wonder, has the game passed him by? Is it a different game yeah. than he, even when he was? Because you're right. When you think about like offense and just the ability to get people in space and make some things happen, it's just evident AM can't do it. They just black can't do it. And that's with all the talent in the world. You talk about out-recruiting Texas, they've out-recruited everybody over the last three or four years, except for maybe Georgia. Yeah, I mean, Georgia, been, Alabama, and maybe Ohio State. They're right there with those four. And they just have zero to show for it. And now, can it make me any happier? Oh, my God, they could lose another one. But that's not the – the point is just from a football standpoint and analyzing the game and analyzing what I'm seeing, it's just a complete waste of talent and a yeah. – just a disaster from the coaching perspective. But hey, like you said the other day, if they if they were to fire him, right, or maybe they don't fire him, 
if they keep him, there's going to be a mass exodus of a player. You have to believe, especially on the offensive side of the ball. So I think uh, we'll all be fighting over some of those guys. Hey, dude, well, Evan, Evan Stewart you. wants to come to Texas. <laughs> come now, on, Evan. We'll, we'll, we'll take you. On Wednesday, on our previous episode, you warned me not to root for Jimbo being out of there because they'd go for Coach Prime. Coach Prime loses on Friday night, I believe. Thursday night or Friday night. Friday. Uh, in a dramatic fashion after being up 29 to nothing against Stanford. The Stanford Cardinal, who is terrible, comes back to beat Colorado, uh, is the star uh, dimming for Coach Prime. Are the, is know, the guaranteed so. job offers just kind of starting to maybe maybe come back down to earth a little bit? Maybe so. Maybe so. But, you know, this was not good, right? And I always say, listen, they don't have great players. They don't. They got a few great players. But overall, they don't have a good offensive line. They have a bad defense. However, I can't excuse this. You can't be up 29-0 at halftime and then get outscored 36-7 in the second half. Stafford, did you see that receiver from Stafford? Who was that kid? I've never even heard of him. This kid had 294 receiving yards and three touchdowns. They couldn't cover him. I give Stanford credit. They were throwing at Travis Hunter. He looked rusty on defense. He was dynamic on offense. He looked a little bit rusty on defense, and they were throwing right at him. Even when the coverage was good, they were still throwing to him. So I give Stanford credit for just (laughs) going at him and and coming back, fighting back. But, yeah, it's it's a bad look for for Colorado. You got to win when you're up 29-0. You you need to win. Uh, Washington State gets the doors blown off of them by Arizona and kind of a surprise uh, loss. LSU beats Auburn handily 48-18. In Big 12 play, Oklahoma State takes down the 24-25th-ranked Kansas Jayhawks, 39-32. Bowman, Allen Bowman throws for 28-41, 336 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Kansas, Jason Bean, or uh, yeah, Jason Bean, yeah. 23 of 34, 410 yards, five touchdowns, two interceptions. But let me ask you this. Is OSU back on track? Have they found something? And, you know, it looks like they did because I watched a lot of this game yesterday, and they look like a good football team from what I saw yesterday. And I know Kansas has still been playing with their backup quarterback, but he played well. Yeah, he played really the well. The star for them, though – was their sophomore running back, Ollie Gordon. And I've talked about him on the podcast, talked about him last year before you guys played in Bedlam. He was a kid I thought Texas should have offered when he was in high school. Did you see his stat line yesterday? No, no. I was Let me pull it up real quick. It, it, was, it was impressive. Well, while you're pulling that up, Oklahoma State goes on the road at West Virginia next week and then hosts Cincinnati before hosting Oklahoma in three weeks. Oklahoma State has a chance to pile up a couple of wins. West Virginia, while Kevin's looking up that stat, goes down in dramatic fashion to the Houston Cougars um, on Friday night, Thursday night. I'm I'm, I'm confused by those two nights because there was a couple of games each of those nights. What was his stat? Do you have stats pulled up? I got a stats pulled up. He had 29 carries for 168 yards and a touchdown. And then he had six receptions for 116 yards and a touchdown. Was this the big guy? Is this the big guy number seven? 
Um, I think he wears what, what's his number? I'm not sure. But is he like a big dude? Yeah, he's a bigger running back. He's like six one, two twenty. I think he wears. Yeah. Let's see. But yeah, he was outstanding. He might wear a zero. Yeah, it was some. It's a single digit though, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. No. Yeah, you, like I said, look. super talented guy. During the recruiting process, you know, like I said, I thought Texas should have offered him because he's a big running back with speed. So he had 35 touches overall, 168 rushing yards, 116 receiving yards, and two touchdowns against Kansas. That is a massive, massive game. Well, I'll tell you what. They have a chance to pull up two wins because since uh, Cincinnati's no good. They got blown out by no. Iowa State. Um, and then West Virginia, again, going down to Houston, 41-39. You know what happened in that game? I did. I saw the ending of it. It was insane. I thought I had seen the ending of it because I watched the entire fourth quarter and I saw West Virginia and I thought it was like interesting, right? Cause we had just come off the Oklahoma game where, Oh, you had got it with a minute 17 left. And then West Virginia gets it with a minute 17 left. And I'm like, Oh, well, this is too weird. And then West Virginia marches right down the field and then they get it down to four. It was fourth and 10. And you're thinking, Oh man, Houston has a chance to hold them. And then West Virginia scores with like what 13 seconds left, 15 seconds yeah. left. Uh-huh. And I was like, Oh, well seconds. Houston sucks. And I turned the TV off. Well, yeah, you missed a, a great ending. I think the biggest thing first and foremost was the, <laughs> the penalty, the penalty, right? Oh um, yes. The celebration the, penalty. The celebration penalty. So they have to kick off from deeper to get a decent return out of it. Two kind of quick outs. And it sets up the Hail Mary. <laughs> Hail Mary was answered. Incredible. Well, what a horrible way to lose a football game if you're West Virginia, especially the fact that you were undefeated in conference play at the time. Well, we had just talked about it being the second best team in the conference. And then they go and lose to Houston. And Houston's terrible. That doesn't change my opinion of Houston. The, the problem is, as I look at Oklahoma State and Kansas, and I think, okay, so now I think to myself, well, maybe now Oklahoma State's the team, right? Maybe now they're the team that we got to worry about. Dude, they can just go lose to Virginia next week. Like yeah. when it comes it's, it's, to the Big Twelve conference, I got. I think correct. I really think Oklahoma is pretty good. I think Texas is pretty good. Outside of that, I, I mean, you know, you're, you try to make a case for anybody, whether it's K State or Kansas or Oklahoma State. Look at Texas Tech; they lost to K State, 38-21. I mean, Texas Tech's a dumpster fire. That guy might get fired it, it at the really end of this is. year. He did might you get see fired. that? Did you see that freshman quarterback? No, uh, Kansas State for Kansas State. Uh-oh. Is Kate Avery Johnson? Is it related he's, to Avery Johnson? I don't think so. Oh, he's a, he's got long blonde hair, but you never know. <laughs> you never know. He came. This kid came into the game for Will Howard. I don't know. No, listen. I'm not sure if Will Howard was injured or if he was just ineffective. But he came into the game and was he looked like Eric Crouch. Just running around like a crazy just person. Just running around like crazy. Five rushing touchdowns. Five. The backup quarterback came in and rushed for five touchdowns against Texas Tech. And Lovey, by the way. <laughs> Texas Tech. Oh, I, my God. Like this, first of all, do you, you guys don't play K-State, right? Or Tech. We don't play okay. K-State. And now I wish we this played This guy both. makes me nervous. I, Texas, now, Texas has won like six or seven straight. Against K State, so on K State used to be our that purple kryptonite, not anymore. But this kid makes me nervous because Texas historically, when they face these kind of 
mobile quarterbacks. We make them look like Heisman Trophy candidates. So we got to figure out how we're going to stop this guy when, when that game comes in here in a couple weeks. K-State's only loss in conference is still Oklahoma State, though, right? So they're still, they're still only at one loss. Correct. Yeah. Uh, speaking of backup quarterbacks, um, in the last score of the weekend, worth mentioning, TCU beats BYU. I had asked, golly, why are they favored by five and a half? Well, I don't know, but they won 41 to 11. So I'm glad I didn't pick that game. Josh Hoover came in for Chandler Morris. Uh, Chandler Morris uh, has got knee issues. Yeah, he was out. He didn't play at all. 439 yards and four touchdowns. That was your backup quarterback against BYU. 439 yards and two and four touchdowns. So yeah. I don't know if um, changed up the scheme between Chandler Morris and this kid, but yeah, BYU clearly was not ready for whatever they brought. Whatever TCU brought, BYU was not ready for it. No. And you know, I'll tell you what, these these three, with the exception of Houston, I guess, pulling out a big win, these four new teams to the Big 12 were not ready for Big 12 play. And this is against a all. down, and this is against a down Big 12. This yeah, is a Houston, down Big 12, and they're not ready. Houston is one and two. Um, and then um, UCF, or BYU is one and two. So BYU and Houston are both one and two. UCF and Cincinnati are both 0 and 3 in the conference so far. Yeah. And I think the win against BYU and UCF was, BYU's win was against UCF, right? Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then if you're UCF, I mean, now you got to go to Norman. So <laughs> good luck with that. Yeah. All right. Uh, going to our going to our picks, uh, the Washington Oregon game was a three point spread, and it actually pushed. You had Washington, I had Oregon. Um, Notre Dame, of course, I had Notre Dame over USC, and I knew it was going to go down exactly the way it went down. Win for me, North Carolina. We both won. Oregon State. Um, I don't even know if we mentioned this, but they beat down UCLA. You had UCLA, I had Oregon State, so that's a win for you. We both had Tennessee. You moved to 22-11-2. I moved to 18-15-2. Pretty good year for the Boomer Beaver podcast so far. Makes me almost want to think about quitting while we're ahead, Kevin. Hey, listen, now nah, we got to keep it pushing, man. We don't have actual money in the line. Uh, speaking of actual money, if you want to save money on your uh, insurance claim, in fact, if you want to make more money from your insurance claim, you want to give Brown O'Haver a call at 405-735-5510. Brown O'Haver typically makes clients 30 to 40% more than they would make on their own in the adjustment of insurance claims. Whether you've had a loss to your home, your business, from fire, wind, theft, tornado, vandalism, whatever the case may be, if it's an insurable loss to your property, you're going to want to give Brown O'Haver a call at 405-735-5510. Let them work for you, not the insurance company. Kevin, it was a bye week, but the bye week is over. It is now game week again. Texas is going up against Houston. Houston's coming off that dramatic win. Um, what's your way too early week, week thoughts against uh, Houston? Where's Texas? How have they recovered from their loss to Oklahoma? Uh, injury updates, anything like that? You know, still quiet on the injury front. I don't know what the status of um, Jalen Catalan is or Jake Majors, the starting center. Catalan is a safety, by the way. Don't know what the status is for those two guys. Um, I think we should get some other guys back, though. Uh, Cole Hudson, one of their offensive linemen who's been down for a while. He should be back. So, honestly, man, um, looking forward to seeing him play again uh, just to get back out there. And I'm looking for improvement. 
right? I think they've been pretty good so far this season. I think they've done some really good things on offense and on defense. Uh, but what I want to see improvement on, uh, we'll start defensively, right? I want to see better communication. The communication was horrible in moments in the Cotton Bowl, especially on that last drive. Apparently, Sark said that the safeties are playing a different coverage than the linebackers. I don't understand how that happens in a moment like that, but it makes sense when you look at how the middle of the field was so wide open when we knew that they were going to throw across the middle. Yep, we so talked about they that gotta, week. Yep. Correct, right? So we got to clean that up. And then offensively, I, we got to get better in the red zone, right? You look at the goal line stand that you guys had against us. Again, that's been happening all season, right? I think it, that was the biggest example of it. But it's happened all season. We've struggled to get the ball into the red zone. Um, score touchdowns when we get the ball into the red zone. We got to clean that up. We have too many good players out there. We have different types of players. It's not like we've got a bunch of small receivers. It's like we got a bunch of small running backs. We've got all sorts of different weapons that we can use down there. So we got to scheme better and we got to get better in scoring touchdowns in the red zone. So that's what I'm looking to see. I want to see him refocus. I want to see him come out with a lot of energy and just really take it to Houston. That's what I want to see. Any concerns going to Houston? I mean, no, Houston's not there. not really, man. I mean, they got Donovan Smith as their quarterback, and he was a the he was a quarterback for Texas Tech last year when we lost in Lubbock, right? But again, we had a backup quarterback. We they had a hundred plays against our defense, so not a ton of concerns. But again, right? I just want to see them come out and just not even make it a thought. Just come out and just smash these dudes, right? Score in the red zone, communicate on defense, beat these guys and get on to K-State the next week. Um, I'm looking up your early line. What time do y'all play on Saturday? There it is, is 3 o'clock, 20, I believe. 22-point favorites. 3 o'clock. Is that, a, is that a Longhorn Network kickoff? No, I believe it's going to be on Fox. Actually, at three o'clock, what a weird time! PM, yeah, it is an interesting time. I think for some reason the Fox game starts a little bit later because I think their early morning kickoff game always seems to go long. Okay, and they're probably running in. You're going to start running into some baseball stuff too on Fox. Yeah, that'll be pretty close, pretty deep into the season. So, yeah, that'll be another thing. Uh, Oklahoma's going up against Central Florida. This is Dylan Gabriel's old team. Uh, Central Florida, as we've talked about, is 0-3 in conference play. 0-3. They uh, are entering the game as 18-point underdogs coming to Norman. Uh, Oklahoma coming off the big win against Texas. You talk about we're down Andrell Anthony, so that's going to be the big thing. I'd like to see what happens with the uh, offensive linemen. I haven't heard anything on uh, Matoire to see what uh, if he's – if he's back, yeah. So I don't know what that story is. Um, so those are your two big injuries. Looks like Gentry Williams is okay. Um, so from an injury standpoint, I don't know. It's not great, but I guess it could be worse. We have a lot of talented receiver. I think you're going to see a, a, a continued emergence and more targets to Nick Anderson. Um, and then as I talked about last week, I want to see Petaway more. I think he's our next best option. You know, the other option, though, is Brendan Thompson. We didn't even talk about him but maybe this is a chance for him to get in and get some more touches. So, you know, I think that those are, those are some opportunities there, but as far as improvement goes and what we need to see, this is the game, right? I say this every week 
But I think UCF might be the best example of a situation where Oklahoma needs to come out and assert some physical dominance on the offensive line and run the ball and try to find an identity running the ball and try to find out who that guy is. Is it Tawi Walker? Is it Marcus Major? Is it Gavin Sawchuk? Is Javante Barnes back better? Um, But let's try to see if we can't get more than 48 yards rushing. Let's try to see if our quarterback isn't the leading rusher. Look, you got to do what you have to do to win the game. And Dylan Gabriel did what he had to do down in the Cotton Bowl to win the game. But it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable to have your quarterback be your leading rusher in 2023 when you're not running the wishbone or something like that. It's just that doesn't make sense. So we've got to establish a running game. And then it just everything else needs to be cleaner. It should be easier. The competition's not as good. The game's at home. It needs to be cleaner on the special teams, right? We don't need the penalties. We don't need the block punts. We don't need the uh, fake punts letting go through. Just all those little things that I still, as I say them out loud, I cannot believe it didn't cost us in the Cotton Bowl. I cannot believe that we had three miscues in special teams and yet somehow won that game. So to me, that's that's the biggest deal is the running game. And I got to tell you, dude, we're six games into the season. This will be game seven. First of all, it's crazy because I can't believe the season's passed that much. But second of all, Oklahoma, do we say it right now? Do I just – we don't have a run game? Is that just where we're at? Well, yeah, I mean, I think we talked about that earlier, right? Like if, it's, if it doesn't happen this week, it may not be happening this year, right? I mean, you got smart coaches. Right? So I think they've, they've tried probably everything that they could. So I, I, what I want to see is, is Sawchuck been injured, right? What's up with Barnes? If those two guys are healthy, what does the running game look like for you? That's what I want to see because is it – because, I mean, I like Toby Walker, right? He does a good job. He's a physical runner. But, you know, he does, he's not as dynamic as Barnes, especially as Sawchuck. So I want to see what it looks like with a healthy Gavin Sawchuck before you just say, you know, it's – we just don't have it this year. Well, he played. We talked about this. He played in the Texas game. He only had one touch, but he was out there for a number of plays. Um, you got to think if they played him, then he wasn't that hurt. Or they just have, I don't know. You know, Marcus Major looked a little banged up against you guys. Does it look like Tommy Walker got the bulk of the snaps in the second half? Um, the kid played good. Look, he played good. But again, 48 yards, it's just. It's not enough to win games. You know, we've got to be – it's enough to win games against – Texas was just a weird game. The stats almost don't even tell the story of the Texas game. But we need to have some running backs that are consistently getting between 80, 90, 100 yards rushing. Like, they need to be a threat because you've talked about it. In order for the offense to work, there has to be the illusion of a good running game because it's so predicated on the play action. It's predicated on the RPOs. And, yeah, I guess if you use the quarterback run game in place of it, that's fine. But I just don't love the idea of just running my quarterback out there 15 times. Yeah, with Dylan Gabriel, right, he's not the biggest guy out there. You don't, Yeah, you don't want him taking those hits. Because, I mean, it's not going to last the entire season. Like you said, it's not sustainable. Um, when you watched the Washington and Oregon game, did you see anything that concerned you about – if Texas and or Oklahoma played either one of those teams in a, in a playoff college football playoff game. Well, with Washington, it's the receivers, all the weapons. Yeah. They've, yeah. they've got so many, 
right? And their offensive line, who you hear nothing about, they seem to do a good job, right? They weren't just – Penix was never really running for his life. Right? I mean, Oregon got some pressure because they have really good players and a good scheme. But he wasn't really running for his life. He was still able to operate the full offense. And as good as that defense is for Oregon – if you give him time, I mean, those receivers are eventually going to get open. And he's so accurate. Even when the coverage is good, he's still dropping it in spots where only the receiver can catch it. It's just kind of different, though, right? Because I, I look at that game and I think to myself, maybe this is just my crimson-colored glasses. I think Oklahoma can play with those two teams. Yeah. I, I, listen, I, I don't think there's anybody that our teams couldn't play with this year. That's just how this, this college football season is going. Yeah. Anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I don't know. I just – I and neither one of them had a very dynamic – each of them had a weakness. You know, as good as Washington was offensively, they didn't have a great running game. Although the guy did go for 100 yards, didn't he? They're running back. He, he did. Go for 100 yards. Yeah, he did. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But their defense wasn't overwhelming. Correct. You know, as balanced as they were. But it's really hard because I, I keep kind of the, – the, the, the eye test says that you had really good offenses. So were the defenses not so dominating because the offenses were so good. Like that yeah. game is really going to be a benchmark, I think, as we see more and more stuff on, on film to yeah. know how good those two teams are offensively and defensively. You know, it's funny because with Oregon, right, we have to remember they also had 200 yards rushing in addition to 330 yards passing from Bo Nix. So I thought Oregon was really physical offensively. I thought they run they run it hard downhill, and their running back was good. I mean, you see some of those moves he was making. I'm like, this dude—he reminded me of like a poor man's Bichon. He was really good. They have a good running game, man. So that offense to go along with their defense. I think what they're they're kind of the blueprint of I think what Brent Venables wants Oklahoma to look like. You saw yeah. how the offense was 200 yards rushing and yes. 300 yards passing along with the good defense. I 100%. think that's kind of what, so yeah, it was, it was impressive, man. And if you're watching, that was a huge win. That was just well, such yeah. a massive win because you're playing such a good team. Well, and it's interesting to think that, that Dan Lanning, a disciple of, of Kirby smart can have such a dynamic looking offense. Cause as good as Georgia is, you just don't see that. You just don't, think dynamic offense with Georgia. It just never. never looks like it never looks like what we saw on Saturday from never. Oregon. And um Washington and Oregon, I don't know, man. Based on what I saw, either of those teams going up against Georgia, I mean, we we think Georgia's the best team. They're on a 25, 26 game winning streak, whatever it is. I'm not taking anything away from them. I know how good they are, but golly, it's hard to think that Oregon and Washington State can't compete with them too, you know? Yeah, just with Georgia, no one has been able to expose them for their, you know, offensive weakness, right? Because yeah. no one's been able to really keep up. They haven't faced a team with anywhere close to the level of talent that they have at all yet this season. And honestly, it doesn't look like they will, right? Florida's up and down. I know they beat South Carolina um, yesterday, but Florida's up and down. And the same with Tennessee. Tennessee's offense has not been anything like it was last year. And so, even and even when they face Alabama in the SEC championship game, correct. Put, Alabama's offense is not in the top 20 in terms of No. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. You wouldn't trade it. Yeah, you wouldn't, you. No, 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 no. No, especially if you can contain Melrose and keep him from getting loose running the football because he's dynamic 
It's interesting, though, you know, going back to that game yesterday, that he did not run the ball a lot. And he was extremely patient in the pocket, which I was surprised and pleasantly surprised. But um, I don't know. I think they're trying to really work on him and keep him in the pocket and have him make throws. So, yeah, that doesn't look good. You know, that offense going against Georgia, I can't see them beating them either. Okay, we've got a couple minutes left in this episode. And uh, since it's pretty much the midway point of the season, let's get a pulse check on how you think this four-team playoff, the last year for the four-team playoff, is going to be. I'd like you to give me your four playoff teams and two teams on the bubble. I know it's probably that. Okay, let me pull up the top 25 real quick. Two playoff teams. I mean, four playoff teams and the two teams on the bubble. Uh, just to get you started, I'm definitely going to okay. go Georgia. Definitely Georgia, right? They're in. Yeah, yeah. Georgia, yeah, absolutely. Okay, Georgia's absolutely. in. Michigan, Michigan's in? I'm going to go Michigan, too. Okay, Michigan's in. So we know that by default, that's pro- that's eliminating Ohio State, Penn State, and Alabama, right? We, we, we I would say so this year. This year. This yeah. year, yeah, 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 yeah. The way this year works. Okay. So then as the contenders, so if I look at the contenders, I'm looking at four, five, and six in the AP poll, okay? So it's Florida State, Washington, and Oklahoma. Now, I think it's fair to say when we pick one team or the other, Oklahoma or Texas, that's fine. Those are interchangeable because I I really think they're going to play again. So if you want to put Texas in because you're Texas, that's fine. But I think, so I'll put in Oklahoma. Does that mean you're going to put in Texas? Yeah, we'll do that, especially for the sake of this. Yeah. But here's the problem is, okay, and I agree with you. I think that those are the two, I think those two teams are in. I think one of those two teams are in. If they, if both teams, if each of them went out to the Big 12 championship, whoever wins is in. We agree with that. We absolutely agree on that. Okay. So that, the problem is, dude, that leaves you with a really good Florida State team and a Michael Penix-led Washington team that we just saw, who, as of week, the end of week seven, who is in, who is out? Oh, man, that's tough. I think, honestly, I would take Washington over Florida State because I like Penix a little bit more than I like Jordan Travis at quarterback. Okay. So I would take Washington. Washington. I'm going to go Washington, yeah. And I'm curious to see – I don't know. I haven't checked their schedule, but does Florida State play North Carolina? I'll check it out. Let's check it out. Because I don't know, man. I think UNC can give them can give Florida State a game. Yeah, but they're gonna have to play Oregon again. Who Washington? Yeah. That's the thing, right? The Pac twelve is so crazy this year. No, Florida right? State. Like they're gonna Florida's- beat up on each other. Florida State has Duke next week, which I think we'll find out a lot about that. So you got Duke, Wake Forest, Pitt, Miami, North Alabama, and Florida. Oh, man. I like Florida. I'm taking taking Florida State with that schedule. I get it because of the schedule. Yeah, I'm looking at this. I'm going to go Florida State, too, honestly, because – Over Washington? Over Washington just because of the schedule. I think I would – I think Washington might be a little bit better of a team, honestly, but um, that schedule, man. Washington still has to play some really good teams, and the fact that they don't have to play North Carolina this year, 
have really helps them out a lot. The schedule really sets up for them. Now, look, the Duke game is going to be tough because, especially because Duke plays really good defense, right? Yeah. But man, I don't know. And then Florida, it's a rivalry game, so anything can happen. But Washington still has to play. They play Arizona State. I mean, that's not going to be a challenge. Stanford, I mean, I don't know. Is Stanford actually okay? Or did they just, Colorado just make them look good, right? Say what you will about USC, that's still going to be a tough game, right? It's going to be at home. Caleb Williams will probably not be as bad as we saw him for the rest of his college career, right? Then they have to go, they have to play Utah. And then they go to Corvallis to play Oregon State. And then they play Washington State, the Apple Cup. So a tough, then, tough schedule. Well, and then they play and, and play Oregon again in a Pac-12 championship game. Yeah, potentially Probably. play Oregon again. Yeah. Probably. So yeah. that's just a really tough schedule, man. It's, this Pac-12, it's been so fun to watch this year. And it's only going to get better. Okay. So but what it sounds like to me, you've got Washington in the fifth spot of the playoff. This is a playoff, not necessarily a ranking. It's a playoff. Yeah, the playoff rankings. Yeah. I've actually got Washington and Oregon as my two bubble teams. Because I think okay. they're both, I think they're gonna they're gonna cannibalize each other based on what you just talked about, actually. Do you like Ohio State there? Do you like Penn State there? Do you like North Carolina there? Do you act do you like Oklahoma there? Can Oklahoma backdoor because they're only losses to Texas? I do, no, I like the loser. Uh, yeah, I like Oklahoma there. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. We'll keep tracking this every Sunday just to kind of give us an idea of where we're at. I mean, there's nothing on the line necessarily, but this is going to be uh, what we, this was the end of week seven, right? Correct. I can't The rest that. of the season, man. I mean, we're starting to see crazy things happen and we're just getting started, man. Every Saturday, we're going to see teams who are ranked and losing to teams that we feel like on paper, they shouldn't lose to, but that's just how the season is going to go. It's going teams to- are going to lose big games and yeah. Just buckle be, up, man, because it's going to be crazy. Outside of LSU, it's been a pretty chalky year, though, right? Like, yeah. it's pretty. Yeah. LSU is kind of that only team that was really expected to make a lot of noise. A USC, no, I don't think anybody expected them to lose like they did against Notre Dame. I, I believe USC is going to have some losses. I think they're going to fall out of the top 25 by the end of the year. Yeah, um, I mean, I see at least three more losses on their schedule. But when I look at Georgia, Michigan, Oklahoma, Texas, Florida State, Washington, Oregon, and even North Carolina, maybe even Penn State, we're going to see what they are able to do. We haven't talked about Ohio State. Ohio State to me is the weakest of them. Like they've got Ohio State ranked at three. I I think they could be the weakest of the teams left that are. Yeah, I think they're just holding their – I'm looking at the preseason AP poll right now. Yes. Right. Let, let me put that on the screen for our people watching on YouTube. Because, but. like, uh, I mean, I'm not a big FPI fan, but I don't think the FPI has Ohio State in all that good a shape, do they? You know, I haven't seen it, but I, I would get that, right? But, man, you want to talk about a great opportunity to show what they're about, Ohio State. They get Penn State this week. If they can beat them, and then, I mean, we'll see what happens in that Michigan game. As we talk about these games and having so much on the line. That Ohio State-Michigan game is going to have everything on the line. Actually, you want to hear this? They have Ohio State number one. I was completely wrong. They've got really? Ohio State number one in the FBI right now. 
What are, go through the top ten on that if you don't mind. Ohio State, Oklahoma, Penn State, Michigan, Texas, Oregon, Alabama, Georgia, Florida State, and Washington. That's interesting. Here's a preseason poll here up on the screen. So we can kind of compare where we are now to where we started. You still have Georgia 1. You still have Michigan 2. You have Ohio State 3. Now, Alabama was 4. They have a loss, but they're still in the top 10. Um, LSU's now LSU, out. yeah. I think they're ranked. I think they're in the you know, 18. Oh, Clemson. There, look, right? at, look at Clemson at 9. We've got Lee. Yeah, we've, yeah we've USC at 6. Penn State at 7. Florida State was 8. Clemson at nine. Yeah, they've got two losses. Washington at 10. They've gone up. Texas was 11. It's gone up. Tennessee, 12. They're still ranked. Notre Dame was 13. Um, I think that's about where they're ranked. I know they're in the top 20. So, yeah, I mean, Oregon's higher than they were. Where did Oregon drop to? Nine? Yeah, I bet. Something like that. So, yeah, K-State, they're not in right now. But TCU, they've had a couple losses, too. But for the most part, most of the teams that were ranked in the top 25 are still in the top 25. Uh, it's going to be a great, it's going to be a great week. Um, Oklahoma and Texas get back at it. Uh, Kevin, real quick. They tried to go to Bijan on a slant and they got, and uh, he got it. I think he got intercepted. So. Oh, at the end there. Yeah. Desmond Ritter, man, really up and down with a young guy. I don't know if he's good or not. I still don't know. Um, while we're recording this, Tampa Bay is playing. Let's get a quick update on Baker. They are down 17-6. Okay. It's, They're playing uh, Detroit, looks, though. Good team. Detroit's like, a good football team. Like the whole fourth quarter to go. Baker, yeah. I think Detroit's got a good defense, dude. Listen, Baker's still playing with some house money because they're 4-1, and 3-1. and one. They're about to be 3-2. and two. That's all right. Baker yeah, Who we got tonight? Who's Sunday, who's Sunday night? Today. Who's Sunday night football? Let's find out. Yeah, but I think it's the Giants. I forget who they're playing, though. Ugh. Giants oh. do nothing for me, dude. I, yeah, seriously, Daniel Jones. I mean, I love Saquon, but he's, he's, you know. Nothing, dude. The, the Giants are like. Healthy. I, I can't imagine if I lived in New York City and had to deal with the Giants and the Jets. Be like, well, it was what crazy. Up? It's crazy how they won two Super Bowls in the last, you know, 15 years or so. The, uh, yeah, the Giants. With Eli. Yeah, with Eli. And beat the Patriots for both. Like, how, how does that even happen? I'll tell you what, dude. I watched the Manning cast, the Monday Night Football Manning cast. I, I, I've come to like it a lot. I, they do a good job. They do a good job. They got good guests on. That guy is such a dope. Eli Manning's a dope, dude. He really is. But he knows it, right? And he owns right. it. And he's like, you, you know what? Are, I'm right? not... He's like, I'm not apologizing for my two my two Super Bowls. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, that's just yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah, they went out and they, yeah, they went out and they took it. Right. Yeah. So, but he, yeah, knows. I'm sure he Brady knows his- keeps Brady up at night, man. I can have two more Super Bowls, but Eli freaking Manning beat me in both. Oh my gosh! All right, who's the Giants, Giants tonight? By the way, Buffalo. Oh, we like need to see Josh Allen. Yeah, Stephon Diggs. I like Josh Allen. No, that won't yeah. be too fun. He'll do something stupid or amazing. One or the other. He'll be either yeah, stupid or amazing. Or both. Might be both yeah, in the same game. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, that makes it fun, though. Makes it fun. We've got our preview episode uh, Preview episode coming up Wednesday. So, hey, man, enjoy the Giants and the Bills tonight and all the rest of the football. We'll talk to you next week. Boomer! Okay.